Welcome to Short Course, episode 25, for July 20th, 2018. I'm your host, Ben Barry. So IPSC Nationals was this past weekend, which was my first really big match of the year. So it's the first of two Nationals I'll be shooting this year. Second major match of the year. So South Carolina, the South Carolina section match was two months ago in May. I have to say it didn't, well... For reasons that will become clear, it's a bit of an understatement to say that it didn't go particularly well, but I'm actually kind of okay with that. The match started out not great. I was not shooting particularly well, and in particular on the so on the first stage, I ended up taking a miss. It was only a six-round short course, all strong hand only, and I actually I didn't know this at the time, but half of the production shooters ended up zeroing that stage. I didn't zero it. I had one mic out of the six shots, so I at least had a one-something hit factor. I think the stage winner had like a 2.8 or 2.9, so not terrible, but not great for the first stage. But still, having a mic straight out of the gate on the first stage, not really what I was going for. Second stage went okay. I I was decently happy with that one. And then the third one, I was up first on a 32 round field course that for the most part, went okay. The The movement part and the positioning and everything went, went pretty much all right. But I just went to war with a piece of steel, a popper at 15 yards maybe, and ended up taking six shots to knock it down, had to do a standing reload, and had a time that was a time in the low 30s, and I think a good time on that stage was probably around 20, something like that. So first three stages, not going particularly well. And you know, in retrospect, this kind of makes sense. I really, for for being such a big match, I really was not as prepared as I should have been. In the two months since the South Carolina state match, which was in the middle of May, I had spent nine days on the range, three of them teaching classes, three of them shooting matches. One of those was the week right after South Carolina, and the other two were about a month after and then I had three practice days. So I basically shot two matches about a month before Ipsic Nationals. I had three practice days, and that was pretty much it. The The weekend right before IPSC Nationals, I was on the range both days, but I was teaching classes. And honestly, in retrospect, even when I was doing some of the demos of drills, I, I was not shooting the way I wanted to. But there, there really wasn't anything I could do about it. I was out of time. The match was coming up. And so I just had to go and shoot. And so, you know, those first couple of stages, it was really becoming clear to me that that this match, it probably wasn't going to be pretty. But that said, that's still not really an excuse. So on the next stage, I shot the stage. And in the last position, you were on an inclined board. And I ended up picking a plan where I basically put my left hand down on the board and used it as a lever to sort of let me pivot and, and use shoot some hard transitions around the, the two sort of outside targets that you had to shoot through a port. I pull the gun in, I, I go to unload and show clear, and the RO, instead of giving me the range commands I'm expecting, just looks at me and is like, you just swept yourself. You, that's a DQ. Like, I in my mind, I still don't know how... I did it. Like, I don't remember doing that. That said, the RO was watching me. She said I did it. Neither of my cameras, you know, the first person or the third person captured me doing it. And so, like, honestly, I, do, I genuinely, I don't know. So the first major match, actually the first match of any kind that I DQ'd from 
I was shooting along the 180 uh, to the left, and I ended up going to do a reload, and both the ROs called stop just as I pulled the gun in and just pointed it a little uprange. And I went back and I watched the video, and I was convinced. I was convinced that I hadn't done it. I was like, watch the video. You can't see. I, I actually, I sent, I sent the match director the video. And in retrospect, I, I realized, like, if you know what to look for, like, I absolutely did it. And so, you know, I, I've learned that I can't necessarily trust my, my subjective uh, judgment of these kinds of things. But the good news is, well, so first of all, it was a learning experience in two ways. Uh, one is that I was, I was so shocked that I was just completely speechless uh, on, on my hat camera because I just left the hat cam running. I, I wasn't even thinking about it. Literally, the only thing I say is just asking a range officer, like, and that's that's what you saw? And then when she says, you know, she just repeats it. And I just say, okay, uh, thanks. And, you know, shake her hand and go over to the... It just so happened that the, the range master was nearby. And, you know, I just sort of stood there while they were like, you know, they talked about it and confirmed it. And he was like, do you understand? And I'm like, yep. I, I was just like, I was so shocked. In retrospect, given that it was an IPSC match, I should have checked my third person video just to see if I could show them that video. Different range master, but last year the range master did end up overturning a, a safety DQ based on video. As it happened, my third person video didn't capture it happening. And so I don't actually, there, there wasn't any, there, there wouldn't have been anything to look at anyway. But my mind was just so blank at that moment. Uh, I was just like so shocked because I'd, ne- I'd never been in this this situation quite like this before where, you know, I've DQ'd a couple times over the years at different matches, never at a USPSA or IPSC match, always at smaller matches. And it was usually pretty obvious. One time before it was a table start and I like bumped the gun and it did a 360 on the table and just spun around and swept the gallery. And it was like, all right, that's, that's a DQ. Like there was no question there. Like I knew I'd done it. Uh, but the, you know, this, this wasn't quite like that, but at the same time, RO said I did it. I didn't know that I had, I had no evidence. And so I, um, the only thing I could do and just, well, I would say I signed the score sheet, but there actually was no score sheet to sign, but you know, I, I accepted it. And the second lesson, I guess that, that I'm taking away from this is that even if I, in my mind, you know, as I've sort of tried to reenact it and reconstruct what happened and I think I came close, but I probably didn't sweep myself. There's some, there's still more that I could have done. I could have been more obvious. I could have moved the muzzle further away from my offside arm. There's always more that you could do. And I think as a competitor, one of the things that that we that you have to do that we tend to do is sort of push the limits closer and closer. Like we know where the 180 is. We have a very acute sense of it maybe and practice with that a lot. And so we become comfortable with sort of flirting with it. Looking back, I think that's really the wrong mindset to take. It doesn't matter if you are inside the rules. And I'm not saying I was or wasn't in this case, but it doesn't matter if you're at, you know, 179 degrees in a 180 scenario. If the RO thinks you broke it, if the RO sees something that's close enough that he perceives it, whether it's a trick of the light or he just has a bad angle or, 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 you know, whatever it is, if you are close enough that it is even questionable, then you are opening yourself up for being DQ'd. And so to me, the, the lesson is there's no efficiency gain, right? Most of good shooting is all about being efficient and and shortest path and all that. But when it comes to safety, there is no efficiency gain if it exposes you to being too close to that limit. The, The sort of motto that I've come up with in my head about this is be obviously safe. Don't be on the line and be just inside it. Don't be close, but just within the bounds. Be obviously safe. 
And that, that comes down to, to all kinds of things, whether it's the way you move uprange with the gun or when you are unloading and showing clear from an odd position like this and just making sure to stand up before reholstering. In any of these scenarios, just don't feel like it's a bad thing to be sort of ostentatiously safe. Maybe that's a better word. Leave no doubt. Those were kind of the two learning experiences for me. And then in the aftermath of that, so this was middle of the afternoon on Saturday, and my flight wasn't scheduled to leave until six o'clock Sunday. So I had more than 24 hours. And all of a sudden, you know, I just gotten DQ'd from a big match. Everybody else was going on and shooting. And I just, in that situation, you're just not really in a state to want to be around that. And I was perfectly happy to hang around and paste, you know, certainly if it's a club match, I think that's, that's the right thing to do. You've already driven out there. You've already given up your day. You're not obligated to, but I think it's generally considered good etiquette to hang around, help out the squad. And especially if it's something where you're, you're new, you can still learn, like you're still welcome to be around the community, you know, be at the match. It's just, if you've had a DQ, you're done for the day. It actually worked out that I was able to go ahead and rebook my flight ahead. By the time I got the flight rebooked, it was four o'clock and the flight left at eight. And so I had to haul out of there. I I did catch up with my squad, just kind of tell them what had happened and, you know, why I wasn't going to be around because, you know, it was was a bunch of good guys and I didn't want to leave them hanging. But at the same time, I did have the opportunity to go ahead and get home a day early and basically not be stuck beating my head against a wall, feeling, you know, just sort of uh, reliving this, this mistake. So took off, went to the went to the hotel, packed in a super hurry, which everything went all right, but packing guns and ammo and making sure everything's in the right box and you don't have a stray bullet anywhere when you carry on, all that's always a little nerve wracking, but worked out fine. Ended up getting to <laughs> ended up getting to the airport, which, you know, this is Orlando, and it was a, a Saturday night, and I guess everybody who'd been there at Disney World all week was trying to fly home. So it was it was pretty bonkers, but Everything worked out okay. I was able to get on the flight. And actually, one of the nice things about sort of this big rush to get out is it gave me something to do. Anybody who's been DQ'd, you have this this real sense of not feeling useful. And so at least there I had, you know, something to sort of keep me busy and hit the road and drive and pack and then get to the airport. And once I got on the plane, it it, kind of sunk in and and started to to hit me. And Honestly, for the, the reasons I was talking about at the top of the show, just not really feeling prepared, I got this sense of relief. Yeah, that was pretty much the worst possible outcome that could have happened. But at the same time, if you hadn't DQ'd, the result was probably going to be very ugly and, and very damaging to your <laughs> to your self-image anyway. And so I've kind of come full circle on this, and I'm looking at it as a positive because by being able to if you want to look at it this way, finish the match early, you could call it. it. It was enough. It made enough of an impression of you're not prepared. You need to practice more before flying to a match like this. That impression had been made a couple stages in. If I'd finished out the match, it would have just it would have just made the impression that much deeper. And so I was able to get home a day early and then go to practice. You know, so Sunday I was I was back on the range, but it was it was at my home club. I set up three targets and I was just working back to basics, just draws, grip, reloads, just sort of rebuilding. With one match being over, I'm now looking forward to the next match. And which so, you know, like I talked about last week, I'll be 
ROing and shooting as staff the North Carolina section match, but the next big match that I'm actually looking at purely as a competitor is going to be the US USPSA Nationals back in frostproof again in October, in late October. So just over three months to prepare for that. Honestly, that it feels like it feels like a good amount of time. I've identified the things that I think I did wrong in my training leading up to this match, and I think three months is a good amount of time to sort of reset and wipe the slate clean and get re-energized, go back to basics, work fundamental drills, rebuild the, the foundation, and then work back up and, and sort of work on all the all the skills on top of the basics, you know, the draws, the reload, the grip, that kind of stuff, and go from there and be ready in three months. So sort of learn from the past couple months, because you know, these are the kinds of thoughts you have when you have a long drive and then an airplane flight home and you're thinking, you know, geez, how did I, how did I get in this position? This year has been a really strange one for me because I started, so the podcast really started in earnest in January. I think the, I recorded the first episodes that actually aired in, in late January. Then it was, you know, before that I was doing test episodes and, and messing around with the audio and that sort of thing. The podcast started and then I ended up announcing the podcast almost back to back with announcing that I was going to start teaching classes. And the first class was, I believe, in March. And then podcast classes. And then the South Carolina section was in May. And honestly, the South Carolina section was one of the best matches I've ever shot in the sense that I think I came the closest to shooting at my current level of skill. I I made some mistakes, but in general, I think I, I shot a good match and I was fairly happy. There weren't a lot of stages that I walked away from and felt disappointed. I could see where I could do better, but with the with how much I'd been training at the time, I, I felt prepared. I felt, you know, that's actually a really interesting contrast to go from the match where I felt the best prepared and the best, you know, the closest to my actual level of skill. And then two months later, go to the exact polar opposite and have legitimately like one of the worst matches in my career, DQ aside, just in terms of being prepared being familiar, having the, the skills that I need to be subconscious, being prepared to shoot really hard strong hand only shots, really hard weekend only shots, being able to hit small poppers far away like you often do in, in IPSC. And so having those those two experiences back to back is is interesting. But where I'm going with this is I never really ramped up in the season with the classes in, starting in March and the podcast even before that. It's almost been, you know, a nonstop marathon almost since the beginning of the year. So it was actually really refreshing, I guess, earlier this week when I stopped and said, okay, this is halftime. This is the chance to reset. So I pulled down all the targets in my dry fire space. I, I put them all, you know, I organized them all, tore and threw away all the, the tape that wasn't sticky anymore, organized everything, got my reloading bench organized loaded up a, a bunch of ammo and just sort of set the foundation to go into the, the next training cycle. Cause you know, one, so one's over Ipsic nationals. I did a certain set of actions. I went to the match It had a certain set of results. Okay. Observe that correlation and move on. And, and now, I mean the, the sort of early phases of the next training cycle. And so now the goal is set the foundation make any necessary changes that need to be made. Because again, I haven't, I didn't 
really have a chance to do any of those things earlier in the year because I was so busy with all these other projects. And so now is the chance to break in a backup holster. And actually, I just got a new CR speed belt, the one that I had the Velcros finally coming off of it after at least four years of use. And so get a, get a new belt, move all of that, that stuff over. Just make these changes now during the sort of quiet time period. Go into a, a cycle of fixing all the, the fundamental gear issues, build the foundation, start going to practice, start shooting some more club matches to ramp up to shooting big matches. Because when I realized I was at IPSC Nationals and the last time I had been on a timer at a match was I think five weeks before that might work for for some people, you know, with a higher level of training one day, maybe I'll be able to perform that well. But I just, it, it was not what I needed right then. I, I could have used another match or two. And I, I certainly had opportunities. The week right before, there was a, a match at, at my home club, the, the weekly or the monthly club match that's every first Saturday that I almost never miss, but I'd made the, the commitment to, to be teaching classes that day. And so I, I wasn't able to make it. And so that, that put into pretty sharp relief, the idea that I think I went into teaching the classes with the idea that I would not let them impact me as a shooter. And I, I don't think I've done a very good job of that. And so I'm, I'm actually going to be taking a break from teaching classes for a while. Not really sure how long, at the very least until U.S. Nationals is over, which honestly is probably a good thing anyway, because it's been interesting as the weather has heated up, just seeing it's it's harder and harder to just pack more into a day. You know, people just get, the, the heat just, just wipes you out. And so it's hard to really stay focused and really keep learning long into the afternoon when it's 90 plus degrees out, you know, shade or no shade, water or no water. It's just, it's, it's, it takes a toll on folks. And so it's tough as a teacher and it's, it's, I'm sure tough as a student to be out learning in, in the middle of summer. And so as a learning environment, as a teaching environment, it's not the best. And it also just, it's, you know, at, from a priorities perspective, I, I don't want to be in this position again. Not that classes are, are the only thing that, that caused me to have a, a bad performance. I've, I definitely was starting to slack on the dry fire. And I think a lot of that was sort of having all the stuff that you would normally catch up on over the weekend, you know, around the house, just doing house maintenance type stuff would get pushed off into the week because the classes were taking up extra time on the weekends. And when I didn't have class, I'd be practicing. And, and so the, the whole, the whole system was just not working in balance. And what got shafted was, was my performance. And so I'm, I'm taking that seriously. And so, you know, I've got three months to turn things around and put in the work and get trained and be ready for U.S. Nationals. And, you know, I'm excited about that. I, I, I'm really more energized and in a better mood despite being DQ'd at a national championship uh, than, than I really thought was possible. Um, I, I, I mean, I'm not trying to be Pollyanna-ish about it, but it just, I genuinely sort of turned this around and said, okay, that was a bad experience. How do I work so that DQ or no DQ, I'm never in that mindset. I'm never at that level of preparation again for a major match. And uh, so that's the goal. And that's, that's where we go from here. So that wraps up this episode of Short Course. You can email me at podcast at barryshooting.com. And I post a video of all my matches at youtube.com slash USPSA. There's not going to be any video for this one, though, just because there really is nothing to see. Talk to you next time.